Hi, I'm Eric Gurna, Executive Director of Development Without Limits, and this is Please Speak Freely, the podcast where we have honest conversations about youth development and education. I have no reason to lie. If I did, I Welcome again to Please Speak Freely. I'm Eric Gurney, your host, and I'm here in Jackson Heights, Queens with Lenore Skenazy, author of Free Range Kids, blog author, um, speaker, and we'll find out what all else she does. Welcome, Lenore. Oh, thank you, Eric. Thanks for coming all the way over. Yeah, I feel funny saying welcome since we're in your place. Yes, but, uh, really. Do I eat a cookie now? Can I have some <laughs> coffee, please? Yes, Lenore was um, kind enough to serve me coffee and cookies when I arrived, so I'm in a probably in a better mood than I am when I start most, most interviews. We treat our podcasters right. <laughs> I'd like to start out by, if I could just ask you, mm-hmm. um, what is free-range kids? What is free-range parenting? What is this all about? Um, free-range kids, trademark, is, uh, you'd think I would have this down by now <laughs> without an uh. uh. It's the belief that our children are safer and smarter than our culture tells us they are. And so they don't need to be hovered over all the time. They don't need every educational toy. They don't need every safety device. Um, they don't need our supervision all the time. Kids are, are able to do things on their own once we train them a little bit. And it's, so it's the idea of like get the kids out there doing stuff on their own mm-hmm. and without worrying so much. And it, so we were talking a little bit before we, we started recording about, yeah. um, you know, if it's, if it's all about don't worry. Yeah. Then how is there a whole book <laughs> and blog? And Isn't that interesting? so, what's your work? What is your work? Uh, I got my work of? cut out for me, Eric, yeah. because this is this is such a fearful culture that almost every day I have to go. Oh my God! I can't believe it. My husband has to walk out of the room because I'm about to start ranting again about some product or program or TV show or news special that tells us we really have to worry. Our kids are in terrible danger, and it's either from predators or not knowing how to spell, uh, you know, discombobulate before they're four. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what, somebody is telling us that our kids are, are going to fall behind. That's why there's this whole don't let your ch- children fall behind industry, or they're going to be snatched off the street. And I was on, I was doing a, a TV show the other day, just like Skyping with some people in Kansas City, and the moms were talking about, you know, they, they, wanted, they want to raise their kids without too much worry, but of course it is very, very scary when their seven-year-old wants to walk down the block to play basketball with his friends, and I, I, I can't take it. I can't take listening to that being so scary. It's not so scary. It's almost the safest thing in the world. We're living in the safest times in human history. I... I, I, my, my, my shoulders come up to my ears every day as parents say, but I would just feel so terrible if anything happened. And that's why I can't send my seven-year-old four houses down to play basketball. Mm-hmm. It drives me crazy. So there's always something coming up that, that I end up blogging about or writing about, trying to just bring a little perspective to these crazy times. And I, in your book, a lot of what you talk about is this notion of how things were, say, in the 50s, as yeah, opposed to I, how they yeah. are now. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there was sort of two sides of it. There was culturally how they were, where it was much more accepted to let young people 
go off on their own and be independent and not worry. Mm-hmm. But then the flip side of it is, as you were just saying, it's actually, statistically, it's safer now. It's not safer than the 50s. It's safer okay. than when most of us parents today were mm-hmm. growing up. It's safer. Mm-hmm. We had a 40-year low in crime. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to like the 70s. Um, yeah, so the crime is lower and the fear is higher. And so that to me is just this constantly humming dichotomy that interests me. How did we get so afraid even though we're so lucky? So how, how, what have you come to? How did we get <laughs> ah, so afraid? Ah, he read the book and yet he's feeding <laughs> me the question. Um, well, what I usually talk about are the, the things that I, the, the four basic things that I think changed us were um, we live in a way more media-saturated culture than my parents did, and the media is saturated with terrible, horrible, sad stories. Right. God, what was I reading yesterday? Yet, yet another thing. Oh, I know. I was, at, I was at some store. Oh, I was leaving a diner. Um, diner here, uh, a diner in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And why is this in the doorway of the diner? There was a, a TV screen, and it kept showing missing child after missing child. It's the Westway Diner on 9th Avenue and 44th Street. And, and then I looked at the dates, and this child, I mean, it's terrible, but they were missing since 1980. And then the next child was missing since 1987. And you see a picture of a child who was four in 1987. Obviously, they would be a grown-up now. But we are saturated with these pictures of missing children. They're at Walmart. They're, they're as I, at ShopRite. When I go to ShopRite upstate, mm-hmm. there's at the checkout counter, there's missing children. That's, that's something that just seeps into you like advertising. Just like you see all these, you know, you see a million billboards for Snickers, and for some reason you want a Snickers and not a Milky Way. You don't know why, and it's not a big deal, but it becomes part of your life. Same with this culture that is constantly putting missing children in front of us as if it's um, as if it's extremely common, as if it's relevant to our daily lives. And it becomes, it feels so relevant to our lives that it becomes relevant and we start being afraid to let our children outside. So I think that the media culture is a biggie. And, and the fact that my mom could not name John Benet Ramsey, Elizabeth Smart, Kaylee, um, uh, JC, uh, Maddie in Portugal, stolen from her hotel room. That's an ocean away. And these are names I know of, <clears throat> not coincidentally, white children who were taken. And my mom didn't have that burden of feeling close to all those kids. Mm-hmm. So there's the media culture. There's the litigiousness of our culture and the fear of litigiousness that makes us start thinking like lawyers. It's like, well, you know, dare I let my child do X or Y? What if they get hurt? Uh, one lady wrote to me that she moved to, um, she, was, she was in town, but uh, another lady moved to the um, neighborhood with kids. Her daughter went over you know, greeted the new child and came back home with a four-page waiver for the mother to sign because they have a trampoline. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, that's not common. I do hear the weird outlying things, but that's not the first instance of a waiver I've heard of. I hear from parents who are worried, um, should they let their child go to an overnight at somebody else's house? What if something terrible happens? Anyways, that, that gets away from the litigiousness. The litigiousness is seeing things as potential liabilities, so you have parks that get rid of swing sets after some kid falls off the swings and a parent sues. You have parks getting rid of merry-go-rounds. I, I, I defy you to find a park with a merry-go-round these days mm-hmm. in America. Um, I noticed that a lot when we, were, we spent time. 
uh, in Vienna a couple summers ago. We spent mm-hmm. the summer there, and and the parks there are amazing, and they have so many fun, fun. and you know what would be considered mm-hmm. dangerous, right? Um, playground toys, you know, s- the things that spin around without yeah. the little wall around it to yeah, yeah, keep yeah. everybody that, that in. Is a merry-go-round. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, yeah, it was amazing to me um, the difference between mm-hmm. parks in, in in Europe and parks here. Right. Well, when when you're thinking like a lawyer, you're seeing everything through the lens of risk, which is the way we started to see parenthood. And one of the things that keeps me very interested in this topic is that there's a big difference between risk and risky, Mm. and we've obliterated it Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where you even have the American Academy of Pediatrics, which you you would want to trust, which I no longer trust, which makes me start feeling like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. But they came out against... They came out against hot dogs a couple of years ago. They were saying that these are a high-risk item um, because some children do choke on them. Some children choke on hot dogs because children sometimes choke, and they eat a lot of hot dogs. And if we were in a country that ate rice, they would sometimes – well, I don't know if you can choke on rice, but if we were in a country that ate coconuts, mm-hmm. that, would be, that would be a high-risk item there too, except it's not a high-risk. Uh, the pyramid cam- cam- – them <laughs> the american <laughs> academy of pediatrics came out um recently like within the last year against bumpers in cribs because about one child a year is smothered possibly by um snuggling up against what are these bumpers it's like the squishy soft um material you put around the inside of a crib to keep the kid from hitting his head against the right. the the railings the right. posts um and i agree that it is that there's tragedy in life sometimes and we would like to avoid it but if you're talking about eight million children under age two in cribs and one child a year to define something as dangerous that that hurts one in eight million Mm -hmm. is a new standard of safety that is untenable everything is unsafe and i am on the outskirts of society because you cannot say well one in eight million and shrug and i'm not shrugging but i am saying that you can't let one in eight million odds rule your day-to-day life. And the American Academy of Pediatrics says, you must. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the litigiousness mixed with the third thing that I think is changing us as parents, which is the expert culture, which is I should, I should run over to the corner here and get my, my parenting magazines that I get every month also to... Ugh, I just throw them out. I hate them so much. Well, I don't throw them out. As a matter of fact, I read them... Um, because I can't believe that the, the, yeah. these are artifacts that some, you know, either doctoral student today or archaeologist in the future will marvel at. They're filled with um, articles about, you know, first of all, there's all the ads. Do you know there's allergens on your table? Do you know there's germs right. on your food? Do you know that there's Purell dispensers that you don't have to touch? Yeah. Right, did, right. Did they, you, what do you, when you touch a Purell dispenser, you're touching it to put Purell on you. <laughs> the next thing you do after touching the Purell dispenser is to clean your hands, right? right? <laughs> Debacterialize your hands, and yet you can't even touch them. So it's this weird, um, that's, that's sort of the OCD-ishness of our culture. But anyways, the experts in there are telling you things, how to hydrate your child before, after, and during a sporting event. Um, do you want me to close the windows because it's loud? Um... I don't mind. No, it's fine. Okay. Anyways, so there's experts telling you how to... There's, there was my favorite. It was a four-page article telling you how to have a fun and safe day in the sun with your child. 
as if you needed instruction, as if it wasn't safe if you didn't read this article and find mm-hmm. out what the experts are saying about what your kid should eat and where and how you should chill the sandwich, you know, because otherwise microbes, blah, 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 and otherwise they won't have an educational moment if you take out the wrong toy, and otherwise mm-hmm. their, their feet will touch the ground, and that might be bad because of all the, uh, I don't know, uh, raccoon. God, there was articles recently about, like, some weird thing about, like, you have to beware of raccoon latrines because since 1946 three children have gotten some weird disease and died of it it's like when you have magazines that you have to fill you're not going to fill them with don't worry everything's okay right nobody will buy it so you have the expert culture telling you that you have to do absolutely everything right and buy a lot of products um or else your child is in danger or will fall behind and then that gets me to the third thing, which or the fourth thing, which is this um, what I call the um, kitty safety industrial complex, yeah. which is out there selling us GPS devices um, to track our children mm-hmm. and um, why we need more apps on our phone to to watch and track. And there's everything from baby knee pads, which are real, which I could run into my closet and get you, to helmets for when children learn how to walk. There's there's a product that allows you to hold up your child like a marionette when they're learning to walk, and, and it's called Walking Wings. It's like 20 bucks, huh. maybe 30. Um, and, and I schlepped it all the way to Australia to show the people there because I just can't believe it. And um, what it says on the box and why I am still interested in this culture is that it helps children develop, uh, learn to walk more confidently. And to me, that is, that is 1984 quality uh, mind fuck <laughs> because how do you learn to walk confidently you don't learn to walk confidently when somebody's holding you up right. <laughs> that's how you learn to think you don't know how to walk right you learn to walk confidently by not holding on and by falling and by getting up again and we're in a culture that says if you let your child fall that's bad and if you want to help your child you hold them so they don't have to learn how to walk on their own that's a crazy culture and mm-hmm. that's why i keep you know that's why i keep being interested in it i guess the part about the, the the industrial, the sort of corporate advertising side of it, really interests me a lot because it just seems yeah. like it's it's so fear based. It is so fear based. When I was a when I was a new parent, I was at Babies R Us, which is oh, um, the my, vortex. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I was we're we're expecting our second, um, and Congrats. I was there. Thank you, and we were there the other day. I was there the other day. Don't go back. And, um, Don't oh my go god! Back. I, I came home and I said, I'm I'm just never going there again. Like we have to just order stuff online or whatever because mm-hmm. it's just horrible. Um, but you know they have t- spoons that show you if the food you're fitting your baby is too hot. Right? Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I've seen that. Um, actually, we accidentally bought some. It was like it was the regular spoons. It oh. wasn't like, and, and then it turns out that it has this feature. It was just wow. we just bought like little baby spoons. Wow. They turn white if it's if it's warm, you know. Wow. Um, but there's and a also whole section. Your fingers hurt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Duh. Right. The steam is an indication. <laughs> right, as well. right, right. The child um, wailing. The, um, but there's a section of safety. There's a safety section. Oh, I know. Of Babies I go Arras. there for yeah. And field you trips. know, I'm there, and I'm you know going to be a new dad, and I don't. I'm looking at the the car stuff, and I'm going. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know we need a car seat, right. but there's all these like visors and mirrors. Right, 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 right. right. The mirrors are really interesting, yeah. right? Because you have to keep your child facing backwards, and right. so then you need a mirror to see if they're okay. And I'm like, wait a minute, didn't we put them in the car seat to make sure they were okay? Right. Now you have to make sure they're okay after you've made sure they're okay. And you're supposed to look in the rearview mirror in order to see the Into mirror. Into the other mirror, yeah, I know. It's like, it's like um, uh, which a, is a magic. Got to be confusing. <laughs> For the kid, also because your yeah, face really. is suddenly just also appearing. should you watch the road? That's <laughs> you know? that was my main thing. I, I actually I um 
I, I admit, I was I was paranoid that I wasn't going to put the car seat in right because I read Freakonomics. Because everybody does, right. right and like, right, you know, wrong. 90% right, right, right. of car seats are installed wrong. So I went, right. and in my town, the, the, the cops will help you put in mm-hmm. your car seat. And they, they were actually very nice about it. This guy, mm-hmm. you know, showed me and helped me. And, and I said, what about these things like the, the visors and the mirrors and stuff? And he said, um, you shouldn't get any of those things because what you're doing is you're, you're creating a, a potential projectile in the car. If you have a car accident and you've got uh, all yeah, these yeah, things yeah. Well, hanging off case. the mirrors, yeah. the thing could yeah. fly I off know, I know. and if hit somebody. In a, you know, and I you thought, have a well, book next to you, that's also sure. a projectile. Yeah, but, but, the, but it's so interesting that it's in the safety section of right, the store. Right, right, right. And then there's this, this guy telling well, me there's, you know, there's, that there's it's points. a danger. Do you, do you know that there's points in America that you can make? If you can come up with a reason something is unsafe, you win a brownie yeah. point. And he just came up with a reason something is unsafe. Do you know that in New Jersey, um, they were going to put stickers on cars of, that were driven by children. By children. You're not a <laughs> child by the time you're driving a car. Let's get that straight. Um, Although mine is. <laughs> but anyways, he just turned 16. Uh, cars do terrify me. Right. Anyways, they were going to put stickers on the licenses uh, and the license plates of people who were driving who were younger than, I think, 18 or 20. Mm-hmm. You know, as a way of almost saying baby on board, except it's right, like right. baby driver Back on board. Off. But then the legislator decided to vote against it. Why? Uh, because it was unsafe. Why? Right, I don't know. Because predators could see the sticker on the car and then they would know there was somebody under age 20 to prey upon gotcha got so me it's this, it's this idea that there are sort of that there are predators all around there's us. Pred- also are, by the time you're preying on an 18 year old are you a predator you know right was but my I mean, boyfriend a predator you sure, know? yeah i'm sure but but just the the larger notion that that creates this fear-based sort of advertising and, and this mm-hmm. whole industry, mm-hmm. it, it ha- it's like they have to keep us thinking that there is danger oh, around right, every right, corner. Right, right, right. No, it's, it's, um, yeah, and it's always for the sake of the children. You don't want to hurt the children. Um, my, my favorite ad, which I could go read to you on the site, or you could go look it up. Look, if you go to freerangekids.com and you Google, oh, God, radio and Danny, um, I transcribed this one radio ad that I will try to remember for you right now, which is, you and your family are at the mall. It's time for lunch. Your wife and Sydney want Chinese. You and Danny go for tacos. You look up at the sign. You look down, but you don't see Danny. Imagine if he were kidnapped. Blah, 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 blah. So first of all, you have have two things going on. Um, In the time it takes you to choose the chicken or the beef, right? Your child has disappeared from your side Mm -hmm. in a public place. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not worried... It tells you to worry. It says, imagine if you were kidnapped. So anytime that you don't get your child, you know, everybody's child, your child at some point will wander away from you and you will go crazy for the time it takes to find him. That's unfortunately part of being a parent. But now you're supposed to go to the very worst case scenario. Imagine he were taken and sold into white slavery or chopped into pieces or both sequentially. Um, that's what you're supposed to do if you're a good parent. And if you really want to be a good parent, then you buy something in advance of this horrible tragedy that's about to happen to you mm-hmm. and happens to anybody in a public place all the time who's stupid enough to bring their children outside of the home. And that, to me, it, it often comes down to buying something, whether it's buying the services of a lawyer or buying you know, the thing to... The, the, right, the, thing the GPS to, the thing or, or the... Or right, the walking wings or the baby knee pads. It, yes, yeah. there's a lot of money to be made. You know, we have smaller families. We have dual incomes often. Um, you know, there's, there's no easier way to extract a dollar from a, a wallet than to tell a parent that their child is in danger. Yeah. 
and, and, and that's the danger also of falling behind, which is why every every possible every possible toy is described in terms of all the incredible educational benefits that will turn your child into an Einstein, which of course is why there's baby Einstein. Yeah, and and I that aspect of it really plays into. Um, the world that I work in of, of after school oh, programs in schools. Yeah. Because the idea right now is that um, every moment needs to be enriched as right, a right, quote right. learning a opportunity. Moment. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. And, and in fact, teachable moment is even is even now uh, out of favor oh. because it's, I, I believe, uh, I'll say why I think it's out of favor is yeah, because it's, um, it's based on some degree of spontaneity. And it's based on some degree of faith in the teacher or the, the youth worker yeah. that they can recognize a moment and make the most of it, which is yeah. actually a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, Teachable yeah. moments really? you know, like, are, oh, are a beautiful thing. It's funny you thing. should ask about bees. Do you sure. know that we would be nowhere without bees? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, t- or, or just tell me more. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what's, you know, that's interesting that you ask that. Tell me more. What are you thinking mm-hmm, about? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, but, it, but that's based on um, having faith that the teacher or the facilitator, whoever it is, can actually think in the moment. Right, and recognizes an opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that the current schooling culture is, teachers are seen more as implementers of a curriculum than anything else, mm-hmm. and there's very little right. faith they're, they're, they're in delivery that. system. Their delivery system, mm-hmm. which is, I you know, I believe why there's a much higher turnover rate amongst teachers right now, especially in um, low-income schools, especially in charter schools that serve low-income kids. Oh, really? It's they almost feel like, like robotized. Te- well, Teach for America. And that whole model is about mm-hmm. coming in for a few years mm-hmm. and then often moving on to other careers. It's sort of like that by design. Okay. Um, and so it's almost like there's a segment of the workforce, of the teaching workforce, who are working in the, the schools that are hardest to work in with the kids who have the most needs. Yeah. Um, they're seen as sort of a transient workforce in many ways. Mm-hmm. That's, that's sort of a tangent. What I, mm-hmm. what I was getting at, though, is this idea. What's in favor now instead of teachable moments is um, – uh, some would call expanded learning opportunities or um, in the world of after school programs, people talk about out of school time and, and making making every moment count. Imagine if you were a kid and everything was school. Oh my God, you yeah. would just, you would lock yourself in your bedroom. I would. Yeah, and it's starting mm-hmm. to feel like that. And even even play. So just like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, you see it in, in all different parts of the culture. You see it in, in foods. Like that, there's uh, now all these enriched foods. Like juice comes with calcium. Right. Cereal enriched. is, is right, enriched right, with right, this right. and that. Breads it's are all enriched because we took it out. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is. Yeah. You know. Um. And so you know the playground. You'll have the like you know the 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 turn the things the little wheels that you turn, but they have to have letters and numbers on them. Oh gosh. Or just every little thing has to be packed with some. Right. They they call it learning, but I I look at it more as teaching than learning. Just because there's teaching happening doesn't mean there's learning happening. Oh, um, that's right. Right, we put it's like you can lead a kid to the alphabet, right? But, yeah, and yeah. also if it's if you're doing it before they're developmentally ready, before it's yes. developmentally appropriate right. to do it, it doesn't necessarily have um, any impact, and it could even right. turn them off from wanting right, to right, do right. it. And also, what a total! I mean, I always say it all boils down to one thing, but here's another thing: it all boils down to, which is a total lack of faith. In our children, that they would get anything out of playing without us shoving more information and academia down them or, um, or tracking how they were doing or um, just doing stuff to make it more important. You know, play is already important because that's, it's part of what you're supposed to do as a child. All, all species, children play. And it's there for a reason. It teaches you without the alphabet on the, on the merry-go-round. It still teaches you, 
you know, how to get off when it's not your turn anymore. Um, so you learn to take turns. It teaches you to focus because if you're playing four square and you don't want your ball to go out, so you're focusing on the lines and, and playing. It teaches you compromise because you wanted to do one thing and your kid, your friend wanted to do the other. You both want to go on the, the thing at the same time. It There's so much that's already... Um, enriched and teaching and educational and valuable and also sometimes athletic and mind and body and spirit building about children and regular life and exploring and playing and being on their own and we don't trust it at all and what interested me also about our culture is the way we seem to take things from the world of special needs and apply it as if all our children are going to need special, you know, extra instruction, extra help, extra padding, those things that I was talking about, about holding your child up. These, these things make sense if your child has muscle development problems or if, um, you know, if their brain is right wired, you know, badly, or I don't know the correct way to say it. But otherwise, you do have to trust that your child will will come along, um, but we don't. And so we buy and we push. We mm-hmm. buy and push. And in, in programs in schools, there's in, in some of the more progressive-minded ones and in a lot of after-school programs, for sure, there's an emphasis on creating opportunities for, for voice and choice from young people. What's that mean? Meaning that um, young people will have a say in what their environment looks like, that they'll... As an example, one of the things that we do with a lot of after-school programs is help them learn... I help staff learn how to facilitate a group of young people agreeing on the guidelines for how they'll work together on a project or a class. Mm-hmm. So instead of just posting a list of rules that young people will, will mm-hmm. sort of articulate, well, how could we work together to be successful? So mm-hmm. coming up with group guidelines. Or um, project-based learning where young people are deciding, you know, they want what's an issue that they want to tackle in their neighborhood, what's something that they mm-hmm. want to change, and, mm-hmm. and going about figuring out how to go about doing that. So mm-hmm. opportunities for them to express what they care about, opportunities for them to learn how to make decisions by making decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to but, say, it very much reminds me of the Boy Scouts. I mean, my kids sure. are Boy Scouts. You have to come up with your projects. Yeah. You got to do them. You got to get everybody on board. The Boy Scouts yeah. is one of one of mm-hmm. the oldest after-school programs, for sure. Oh yeah, I didn't think yeah. of it that way. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just that Boy Scouts historically has been aimed mostly at, at like boys. middle class <laughs> boys, for sure, but middle class and upper middle class, and and more recently. There's been more of a push for Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and others to to have more outreach. In, oh, I didn't in, even know that. I in, thought everybody's Boy Scouts. No. <laughs> oh, okay. What do I know? I'm middle no. class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there's opportunity now uh-huh. that there didn't used to be for sure. Although mm-hmm. there's a whole other controversy around Boy Scouts. Uh, oh yeah, the but, homophobia doesn't yeah, make any yeah. sense. At least but, here in New York, that they, they um, there's actively gay members and, and and leaders, and nobody's against them. I don't know how they get away with that, but I'm happy they do. Well, I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> to hear it. And Boy Scouts is certainly Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts both are, are great mm-hmm. examples, especially for people who don't really aren't familiar with sort of the world, the current world of after school programs. That's right. you know a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's in more and more pressure for programs like that, probably not the Boy Scouts because they exist outside the school system, but for certainly for those who are grant-funded to work in schools but yeah. out of school time mm-hmm. to just focus on academics. Everything's got to have academic enrichment. Everything's got to have academic connections. And 
I've always contended that it can only be a real choice if you can choose not to do it. Yeah, right. So that there could be like free time. You have one choice. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I mean, people say More alphabet. There's sort of the the idea is present two acceptable choices. So you know, do you want to do reading or math? Or fall you know? out the window. Right. 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 Well, they got to be acceptable. Right. <laughs> um, so I mean, the, that's the idea, but I don't think it's a real choice. Right. Right. Unless, right. If there's not, I'm going to go not, outside and play I basketball. Go hang out. yeah. 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 Like you don't necessarily, you know. In an elementary school program in particular, you're not necessarily going to realistically have the choice to leave right. because you're enrolled in this program. Your your parents are expecting you to be taken care of here in the school. Mm-hmm. But maybe you have the chance to, like you said, go play basketball or just mm-hmm. go hang out. Mm-hmm. And, well, isn't but there's that what a, community centers used to be? Are there still community centers like there, that? There are, but the ones that I work with are mostly funded by grants which require them to do structured activities. And so mm-hmm. what, I, what I want to ask you is, uh, you know, it's hard for it's been hard for me to articulate to make the case for allowing for drop in time, free time, and and, oh and, and honestly, those are often drop in is is often like a dirty word, like oh, it's just a drop in program, like it like like the the kind of community community center program, rec center program that you're thinking of oh would be considered a drop in program where there's no structured activities, they're not working towards any specific outcomes, they're not right, measuring their measure. results. Yeah, right, 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 right. We but, can't measure. Oh my God. Yeah, it but must must not be happening if you can't measure it. Yeah. So how do, how do we make the case for the the value well, of those you, kinds oh, of spaces? I'm, I'm happy to talk about that because I call it yuppie jujitsu. Um, you know, the parents, I guess of all stripes, are so worried that their children are not getting ahead and that every moment has to be educational, enriching, and preferably, you know, something that they can put on their college application or that will help their SAT scores. Um, so when I've been to a bunch of conferences on the importance of play, mm-hmm. led by impressive, you know, sociologist and child development people, um, what I've picked up on is the fact that turns out that play good old i'm so bored what are we going to do i don't know what do you want to do i don't know what do you want to do 15 minutes later let's play basketball or you know let's let's draw hopscotch or whatever that kind of play turns out to be invaluable and by that i mean extremely valuable <laughs> for children's development for developing all the skills that you're talking about um First of all, there's a lot of math involved, even in playing baseball. You're keeping score. You're figuring out the trajectory. You know, you don't want to hit the window. Whose turn is it? There, there's, there's just inherent math in a lot of sports games. There's imagination in other games. There's problem solving when you have to figure out something to do and nobody knows what to do and all you have on hand is like what I have right here, a mango. You know, <laughs> you are we going to play, mango. you know, hot mango <laughs> or are we going to play toss the mango or are we going to carve it into a face? I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities when children are left to come up with something to do. And I don't even think it's bad to have like playworks, playworkers, you know, teaching kids, you know, Mother May I and Red Rover and all the old games that no older siblings are teaching them because nobody's outside anymore. But then, you know, you give them some of these tools and then you let them build on it. I, I remember my one of my son's favorite day at school was when he came home saying that after school they had stayed and played seven square. Because instead of everybody waiting their turn on Foursquare, they mm-hmm. came up with this new game. And, mm-hmm. and he was so thrilled because that was, that was exactly what you're talking about. Kids learning that they can create something and make something happen in their environment. And, and it wasn't structured and it wasn't let's go do this program right now. So they're learning 
problem solving, creativity, communication, compassion. If you put the really slow boy on the team with the really fast girl and you don't actually say why, but then they're against the two medium kids, you know, and so they've socialized themselves into two fair teams without it being spoken, without a coach, without a prize, without a curriculum. Mm Mm-hmm. So so the yuppie jujitsu part is if you want a kid who can focus, who can take turns, who can suck it up when they're losing, who can roll with the punches, who can be creative and communicate and, um, and compromise, you got to let them have some time on their own, some time that looks like they're not doing anything because when nothing is at stake, everything flourishes. And why do you call it yuppie jujitsu? What's the Oh, uh, because the yuppies reference? are so worried that the time is being wasted because they're not in Mandarin class mm-hmm. that you have to point out that actually this is more enriched mm-hmm. than the Mandarin class. Mm-hmm. They are getting more that will serve them well at their Princeton interview than they will just by being another one of the 30 million kids who can speak Mandarin now because they've been taking classes. Mm. They will have the poise that comes from knowing how to be um, polite and wait their turn, which, you know, is sort of playground justice, right? Mm-hmm. You have to let the other kids take their turn. They will be, um, they will have the kind of spring to their step that comes from playing and some joy in their childhood and not just every moment uh, being, a, you know, a, a Sturm und Drang teachable one. They will have the, 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 the quickness of being able to come up with something to do. They will have... Um, really, the, the big term, as you probably know, in child development is now um, executive function, mm. right? And that's the ability to control yourself, mm-hmm. right? Impulse control. And there's been no better um, uh, teacher of impulse control since the beginning of time than um, seven other kids on the team saying, you struck out, go to the back of the line. Mm-hmm. And when you are given that choice as a child, surrounded by other children... You do have two things you could do. You could be a baby, have a tantrum, throw down your bat and run home. But if you do, then you don't get to keep playing, which is why the drive to play is so crucial and in every child because that drive to play is what makes the child suck it up, however sad he is or frustrated or mad, and go to the back of the line and wait six more kids for his turn. That's internalizing the maturity that we want to see in our kids, the maturity that will allow them to sit through a boring class, that will allow them to, you know, not scream at their boss, you know, 12 years hence. And that's, the, that's a skill that yuppies want to see in their children. We all want to see in our children the ability to be a grown-up about some things. So if you really want your kid to have that graceful quality that is so critical in most human interactions, they get it best through playing with their friends in what looks like a total waste of time. Mm-hmm. Are, are, you, are you sort of consciously aware of who your, your audience is with a lot of these messages in terms of the book and the blog and, and, and your speaking engagements and things? Because you've, you've, you've referenced class a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, I, I'm just wondering right. how you think about that aspect of it. Well, a lot of people think that um, Free Range Kids is dedicated only to the middle and upper middle class, which is obsessing about their children. But what I've seen from like people who come to the talks and people who are worried seem to be the, 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 the one common denominator is parenthood. Mm. Um, because, you know, th- this whole culture could not exist if it was only um, directed at 
one little strata of the, you know, of the let's call them the, the 10 percenters. Uh, you couldn't have a Babies R Us in every town right. and a Kumon in every little town. Mm-hmm. If it was only the, the, the wealthy and the well-off who were worried about their children, when you have a, a, a TV that you turn on and every night there's, you know, let's look back at the... Elizabeth Smart has been tapped to be a reporter at, I think, Channel... I think at uh, I think on Channel Seven or possibly two. She had been missing. She had been missing. uh, She was she was a harpist. She was taken from her home and she was found. I I think months and months later. Mm -hmm. Um, But so she's become the missing child expert on um, one of the channels, which I can't remember which. um, Which is which means that when you turn on your TV, you have news, weather, sports, and missing children are all legitimate categories of news these days. So. So it's not just a small strata of the country that's getting the message that your children are in terrible peril. Um, and it's not just a small section of the country that's worried about their children succeeding when they grow to adulthood in this difficult economy. So I call it yuppie jujitsu, but it's really a way of um, just framing the, the worries for our children um, as... Uh, it's a way of framing the idea of children being on their own and playing and coming up with some of their own ideas um, and this being valuable uh, as a way of just saying, look, it is valuable. Um, don't just worry about getting and buying and doing for your kids. Sometimes standing back is also valuable. Mm-hmm. I, in, in, in reading the book, I was struck a couple of times by sort of wondering how people in different kinds of situations mm-hmm. might take some of might might hear some of what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, there was there was a section talking about uh, a family who just really didn't want to put the pressure on their two kids to to like have to go to a good college and have to do all the extracurricular stuff just to get the stuff on their resume, college resume. Right, right, right. Um, and so the the sort of the pressure was off a little bit, so they could find their own path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking about you know having grown up in sort of different situations myself and knowing mm-hmm. a lot of people and a lot of the people we work with now mm-hmm. who might think, um, well, that's fine if the, the scale is from, you know, community college is the, the least that we're going right, to expect right, right. and the, the most is Harvard. What if we really but want our if kids community to go college, to community college? Well, right, what if right, community right. college is, is the is the most that we're expecting right. at this mm-hmm. point and that, that, and that the worst, the least, mm-hmm. is, um, is, is prison. Right, I mean, right, to, to right. be just totally blunt, is mm-hmm. is 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 getting or or is dying at a young Terrifying. age. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you know, I just interviewed recently uh, a friend of mine who's a artist and performer and writer. His name's Will Power, and he was talking about Will Power. How, really, his name's Will Power. Yeah, um, he was con- he's his concerns for his young son growing up as an African American boy. Yeah, and the sort of danger zone of sixteen to twenty five or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you know a lot of a lot of his friends who he grew up with mm-hmm. um, didn't make it or ended up, you know, doing time or get, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and others went on to, you know, worldwide success. But the fear right. of that right, and right, just right. The, the different, whether it's class or cultural and oftentimes both of those things, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wondered in reading this stuff, would mm-hmm. it be so, so that, that was one aspect of it. The other aspect mm-hmm. of it was thinking about letting your seven year old walk a couple of blocks to the park. Mm-hmm. Depending on your neighborhood. Right, right, right. I, I think I know. write about that, that if, if you are in a dangerous neighborhood, obviously mm-hmm. you would know it. Um, 
I actually say obviously, but I don't think that's true. I think there are dangerous neighborhoods. I think that when I was speaking to the ladies in Kansas City who lived on a cul-de-sac and were afraid of sending their seven-year-old down four houses to the other boy's house where there's a basketball court, she thinks she lives in a dangerous neighborhood Mm -hmm. simply because she's alive. Right, she's in a dangerous world. (laughs) Because she's in 2012 and she's a parent and she's been told that everything's dangerous. But if you're living in a neighborhood where there are drug gangs at the park and there's it's unsafe and there's shootings then i uh, first of all the idea that a drop-in center is bad upsets me so much because i think of a drop-in center as as a haven Mm. in those neighborhoods Mm -hmm. because it's a way you can still have children gathering coming up with something to do playing and and not being in danger Mm -hmm. from the flying bullets and and drugs so i love the idea of drop-in centers and if you know and what i suggest sometimes is like a lot of free-range kids also has to do with believing that your kid can start assuming some responsibility. Um, and I think that they get a lot out of that, too, because mm-hmm. kids want to be grown up. And there's bad ways to be grown up, like, you know, drugs and, and, and uh, you know, irresponsible sex. And then there's good ways to be grown up, like making dinner or, um, or walking the dog or doing something for the family. So even if your kids can't go outside, and I, I, I feel bad if you're in a neighborhood like that, mm-hmm. they can make dinner. Mm-hmm. They can be trusted to do, um, to babysit, to do some of the things that will make them, not only make them feel grown up, but will actually make them grown up. And mm-hmm. it shows that you give them responsibility and that you're trusting in them. And children often rise to responsibility. They appreciate being trusted. Um, uh, the, the principal at my son's high school said, trust but verify, <laughs> which I think uh, makes sense, too. It's like, yeah. really, are they really doing their homework? Trust but verify. It does make sense, but... In, in in today's world, verify can mean download the app so that. Oh yeah, I, I, I was just in that. I was yeah, just in a yeah. in a little uh, grocery store the other day, and I was overhearing um, uh, two parents, you know, uh, just people who had run into each other, who knew each other, who both had kids about the same age, mm-hmm. and one was um, telling the other, "You got to get this app. You, you know, you can track your if your kid has a cell phone, you can track where they are." And right. you know, recently I. I asked where she was, and she said she was at the library, and I looked, and I could see she was at her friend's. And the, the mother sounded actually very reasonable. She was saying, if you're at your friend's, just tell me you're at your friend's. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem, but don't tell me you're at the library mm-hmm. if you're not at the library. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, and okay, on the, on the one hand, I, I can get that. I can understand it. Like, mm-hmm. I could totally imagine if, so, you know, when, when I was a kid, well, my parents weren't really like that, but I, could, mm-hmm. I know other people's um, parents would call to make sure that the kid's over if he says he's over at our house oh, or I something. I didn't do that either, yeah. Mine didn't do that either, but um, but but parents did, and I can understand the inclination, the verify. But mm-hmm. but now it's verify is like it's, a different thing. It is. When you it's, can, it's electronically and often um, under subterfuge. Yeah, and immediate. Verify. I mean, you can get a text. Right, the kid gets right, a text. Right. Come right home. I mean, I see where you are. It's almost like um, you know. It reminds me of I visited a school in Arizona a couple years ago. And they had this very sophisticated camera system, camera in every classroom, and the principal had screen could look on their computer with screens. Wow! And, see, it's, and, and it's he like... was talking to me, and he said, "Excuse me," and he looked at his screen, and he got on the the intercom and said, "You know, whatever the kid's name was, Jason. Jason, <laughs> get your feet off the desk." <gasps> and and I looked at the the camera, and Jason got his feet off the desk. And he just the principal went back to talking about me to talking to me, and yeah. of course I was so distracted by that that I had to ask him like, uh-huh. how does this work? And the amazing thing was, 
I don't know if this is true or not, because I think a lot of times adults think kids think things and they're wrong. But the principal was telling me that the kids think that they can hear what's going on in the classroom too, because they can talk to them. They could, they can't actually oh, the, hear. They yeah, only like, have the it's visual. Like thinking the TV watches you. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's the idea. So these kids are growing up in a school, so they're spending that, six the, hours a day where every move... Right, it's prison. I mean, that's yeah. really, that's the panopticon idea of prison, the right. idea that you can, you know, that you are under constant surveillance. And yeah. and the kids are in a classroom with a teacher, are they not? Yep. And the principal is still doing it. He's like the warden. Yep. I find that so um, disturbing and 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 sad. Um, I mean, I can't imagine, imagine if... You're at work, and your boss has a, a, you know, a video camera in every cubicle. And so the time that I would normally spend calling my husband to complain about my boss, for instance, um, I can't do that anymore. That's so totalitarian under the guise of, I guess it's benign, uh, you know, uh, overseeing. Mm-hmm. It's it's makes me sick, and it makes me sad to think that, you know, kids have to accept that. I mean, what are you going to do? You, you know, you can't just quit school. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. The, the idea of opting out struck a chord for me because right now there's a movement in the public schools for families and students to opt out of high-stakes testing, to opt out of standardized Is testing. That, can you do that? Because you actually can. Most states, and I don't have all the information here, um, but most states, it's legal to opt out, and there, there, there can't be any ramifications against the the child standardized tests are mostly about um, the judging school? the school okay. yeah and um but you can opt out oh. um there's negative effects in terms of attendance because the school gets funded based on attendance mm-hmm. um but i've heard of parents choosing to opt out and then making a donation to the school to offset the oh, so that really? they can so, alleviate so the that. only problem for the school is that they lose the money for the days that the kid would have been there attending well i wouldn't say that I, I think some people would say there's other problems. I think that um, as the opt-out movement grows, we'll see if there's any research done on it. Mm-hmm. But I would guess, a total guess, that um, there would be a concern that those opting out mm-hmm. would be high scorers. Oh, because they have, once again, it's the yuppie parents who are thinking about the long-term ramifications of excess, you know, teaching to the test or yeah, or pressure, you know, or- more you know, educated parents probably are going to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, involved in that if you just look at traditionally in terms of like sort of activist parents mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not across the board true I don't mean you know I want to mm-hmm, generalize mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah I think that there would be some concern about that I'm against the idea that without doing these things without doing these specific things you're talking about testing and um, academic extracurriculars um, that that somehow kids are losing out um, I haven't thought about um, opting out of testing at all frankly. Um, but the opting out of um, some uh, structured programs, um, the, I'm not even against structured programs. I'm just against no unstructured time because I think there's something really valuable about unstructured time. And there used to be a lot, um, it was unquestioned that childhood would involve that, that your right as a child was to have some time that was free, even if you were a um, you know a newsie in the 1880s, or if you were working in a mill, uh, horrible things like that. There was still time that you would have that wasn't spent in um, preparing for the next day's class or um, learning how to be a really good 
first baseman um, with a coach teaching you. Uh, there'd be time to just come up with your own interests and follow them or hang out with friends or, or play or read or daydream. And um, when we get rid of all that opportunity in, uh, in favor of um, something that we feel is more enriching, like an after-school reading program and an after-school guitar program and then the after-school soccer program. And then on the weekends, my, my friend last weekend had to drive, I think, uh, two hours to get her daughter to um, the field hockey program and then drive two hours back. That's, that's four hours, not to mention all the field hockey time, that could have been playing field hockey with a friend down the block. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out a way to get back to that because for a parent to be two hours from home to have to take her kid to this thing and then wait all day and then come back feels like a waste. I have to say it. It sounds bad, and I know there are people who love all these things, and I'm not saying you shouldn't ever do them, but there has to be an alternative to this extremely parent-intensive, structured, um, out-of-school time that we think is the best for their kids, for our kids these days. So I, I wanna I wanna wrap up with switching gears a little bit and asking you a question um, based on a line from your book, which is talking about the danger of like over-examining our own <laughs> thinking and how we act, especially as parents. Mm-hmm, but I would apply mm-hmm. that across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in a chapter of the book called "Avoid Experts." <laughs> um, I'm not an expert. Which, Remember which, that I'm a reporter. Well, that's that's part of my question. Um, it's I really definitely I definitely connected with this because um I really don't like parenting books and they make me like a little crazy like I just get really angry when I read them Wait, so I just read stopped the, did you read the tip them. at the end of that that of uh, that chapter it says don't, um don't buy any book about child that doesn't have the words um, free range free range yeah, right. or skenazy well, the, on you, the front page you're getting at my <laughs> right, question right. um it says that the more worried we are about the ramifications of every remark we make the more stilted we become and that's that's it, it really sums up well why i don't like a lot of parenting books and parenting advice is because mm-hmm. i don't like to overthink what i'm doing right, right and i right. really like to just you know i i'm gonna make mistakes i don't you know right, I, right. I know if it needed, like, if kids needed perfect parents there it, would not be human cult there yeah, wouldn't be humans right yeah and it's just it's it's nerve-wracking especially to be at home worried about that because already you know when i'm at work i'm I'm trying out new strategies i'm trying to unlearn old ways of thinking about you're youth already development. analyzing everything yeah over analyzing right, everything right, right, right. and i want to be able to sort of relax and be myself right right um do you worry that the more you know you're you're on the radio you're on tv you're on your blog and twitter mm-hmm. um you're you know you're 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 speaking around the world um, you're selling your book. Do you worry that you're becoming one of the experts that you yeah, sort of... Yeah, um, it, it certainly would seem like that. You know, my God, she's selling books. And, and actually somebody, you know, somebody quoted me the other day and said parenting expert. And I thought, <laughs> I'm not a parenting expert. And in fact, I don't have any parenting answers, I'm sorry to say. And you, if my kids were home, you'd, you'd be sure of that. But what I am is like a person who observes our culture and tries to do a reality check. And is interested in, you know, the sociology of our times and the anthropology of our times and looking at our culture, thinking, what are we afraid of? How did we get here? What are people really saying? What are they trying to sell? I love looking at our culture and what it's doing to us as Americans and a subset of us as parents. But it doesn't mean I know how many, you know, 
how many games a week you should let your child or shouldn't let your child play soccer and whether or not you have to cut the grape into quarters and whether it's better to reach your child at night or to sing a lullaby or when they should start, um, you know, dressing themselves and choosing their colors and what schooling option you should do or any of that, I don't know. All I'm interested in is how come our society has succeeded in making parents feel like they're doing everything wrong. Well, Lenore, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for being on Please Speak Freely. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. This was fun. (laughs) 